Pushkin. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is accelerating innovation with T-Mobile for business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10 times points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. What if AI could help your business deliver mission-critical outcomes with speed? With IBM Consulting, your business can design, build, and scale trusted AI using Watson X and modernize the way you work to accelerate real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your business. Learn more at ibm.com slash consulting. IBM, let's create. Welcome to the show. This is Talk Easy. I'm Sam Fragoso, and thank you for being here. Today is part four in the finale of our Stones Throw series, and it's with the musician Sudan Archives. Sudan is a violinist, singer-songwriter, and producer now based out of Los Angeles. But she got her start playing music at the age of eight in her hometown of Cincinnati, Ohio. It was there that she played alongside various school and church choirs. In time, after doing all that you can do in music in Cincinnati, everyone around her told her to pursue this art form, that she had real talent. She eventually took their advice and moved out to L.A., only to sign a deal with Stones Throw pretty soon after moving here. I think it was six to eight months. The way she describes it is kind of an incredible origin story. Two years later, after making her EP called Golden City on an iPad in her parents' basement, She's releasing her first full-length album, a self-titled record, Sudan Archives. On it, she sings, plays the violin, does some producing, does a lot of the songwriting. Before doing this interview, I had the luxury of listening to some of the demos of it. It really is uh, incredible original music that I cannot wait to come out later this year. P.B. Wolf, who was the first episode of this series, really took... Uh, Sudan under her wing. You can hear the influences of the African folk music that Sudan loves, along with some of the stuff you'll hear on Stone's Throw, the Dilla and the Mad Lib.
done many interviews uh, of this variety. In fact, I think this is the first time she's had an interview that was longer than 15 or 20 minutes. So we get to the origin story of her life in Cincinnati, uh, growing up with her twin sister who also does music, coming to LA and being disoriented but finding her home here, and a lot of other stuff. So I hope you enjoy this episode. It was a really fascinating conversation. And uh, here, finally, is Sudan. There are not many things written about you on the internet yet. Like, I think that's going to happen. So my only real baseline, aside from listening to the music, is that you were born in Cincinnati. Correct. So what what happened in Cincinnati? I was born there, and I learned violin there. What did your parents do? My mom, she works... She's a diversity manager at Centos. Uh-huh. And my, I have two dads. My real dad, he was in the car business, and he was pastor. Mm-hmm. And my stepdad had his own construction business and was also, like, he used to be in the music business. Oh, Okay. How much did you know your real father? Like when when did that separation happen? Probably when I was twelve or thirteen. Oh, mm-hmm. that must have been a lot. Yeah, it was a lot, but it was just life. Yeah, it wasn't had, anything uh, too drastic. <laughs> I mean, maybe it was, but you know, I was pretty mature about it. You know, mm-hmm. it didn't really impact me negatively. You know what I mean? I don't know. I I had a, I had a different experience when my parents. Well, they were like they remarried, and then again they split up around that age. Okay. It was kind of hard. I mean, it was it was strange to see my mom with someone else again. I feel you. Yeah, that was pretty strange. But when the separation first happened, I was kind of just relieved mm. and was happy that she was getting her space and I don't know it just felt like the separation kind of just needed to happen and it was less stressful environment for me good for and I was pretty mature for my A's and understood that you know some things need to just separate (laughs) at some point mature for your age has that been a constant so like when you're being raised by your mom and dad are you constantly the kid that's like oh she's so precocious oh she's so like ahead of her time um, no, like, I remember actually talking to my dad, like, a few weeks ago, and he was just so proud of me, and was just saying that I've matured, and when I was younger, I was so quiet, he didn't expect mm-hmm. me to be so 
driven and like move out to LA and uh-huh. do all these things I'm doing now. You were quiet as a kid? Yeah, he said I was very quiet. As a child, like what were you interested in? Playing the violin. Um what age was that? Well, I started in fourth grade. And a group of fiddlers came to my middle school and they were called Barrage and they were like <laughs> very um like a flamboyant fiddle group they sung and like played (laughs) at the same time and marched around as well and I I just was fascinated and begged my mom to rent a violin out for me but a year after I switched schools and they didn't have an orchestra and um I constantly moved around and they all either had no orchestra or just started orchestra so I was always kind of ahead but Mm -hmm. never getting the training that I needed because we couldn't afford private lessons, which everyone kind of gets when you play violin. It's just, you know. Well, violin seems like one of those, um, it's like an affluent instrument. It's sort of like playing golf. It's like you have to have a certain amount of money to play golf because just yeah. you can't like, hey, Jim, do you want to like go in our backyard and play golf? No, you got to go to a range and you got to pay. And it's, Yeah, funny because I lived like... I lived right in front of a golf course. Like my backyard was a golf course, <laughs> and like well, I guess balls my would like crash our window, like, and they would come in and say, "Oh, I'm sorry, I'll pay for it." So that was like a constant thing that happened in my life: golf, okay. balls, that was crashing. All, that was just a coincidence. I did not know that about you. <laughs> that would be some crazy FBI deep background. <laughs> if I was like, "Do you remember the time the golf balls just went through the window?" That's funny. Yeah odd so you didn't have private lessons and you bounced around from school to school and that was uh in cincinnati or around the midwest yeah it was in cincinnati different parts of cincinnati just moved around a lot and why were you moving so much well if i don't know i think my mom just wanted the best for us and eventually she we moved to mason ohio which is like a pretty good school so I think that's where she wanted us to be in the long run. But before we were like in other areas of Cincinnati and I got bullied a lot, she said. So she wanted just to move to like a suburb part. and mm. But still, that was kind of weird for me, too. I was never really like the popular kid. I was just everyone knew me and everyone was nice to me, but I didn't really have any friends. <laughs> from, regardless of school, you didn't feel like you had friends? Not regardless of school, just like in school, it's just like it was just a weird thing. School was just weird for me. Mm. Well, you the way you phrase it is interesting because you're saying like my mom says I was bullied in school. I don't even remember. Well, it seems yeah. like have you blocked that out entirely? Yeah, I I remember. Yeah, I completely blocked that. I don't even remember <laughs> getting bullied. So, why were kids unkind to you? Um, she said, you know, it was just like something kids do when they're younger they just like bully each other cap on each other and we were really sensitive and we were twins oh yeah i don't know if you you know i have a twin so no. maybe that's why we were bullied because they were like oh you guys look alike ha ha yeah this is a strange thing you buried the lead on that one yeah i didn't know you had a twin <laughs> so is it, was it a boy or girl twin? a girl it's a girl twin oh both of you oh my yeah so People were just confused by you? Maybe. They're like, why are there two of you? You're weird. What is your real name? Brittany. 
Really? Yes. Brittany, Brittany what? Parks, like Rosa Parks. Brittany Parks. And your sister? Catherine Parks. Brittany and, Brittany and Catherine Parks. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I have a big sister, but that's it. Okay. So, two. Okay. That makes sense. What did, um, what did the classmates think of you playing music when you went from school to school? Because you played the violin regardless of what school you were in. Right. <clears throat> and most people knew. So I do remember in high school, in Mason High School, um, it was like <laughs> predominantly white school. And there was like a clique of like people I would hang out with and they would always make fun of me because they had a fiddle club there after school after hours and they would always just say oh Brittany's going to fiddle club and just make fun (laughs) of me and what are you doing there are you playing country music (laughs) and just kind of laugh about it and I don't know I thought it was funny I never really took it like serious like oh my god but they were saying why are you playing country music yeah I don't. Even, I didn't know why I was playing country music, but it was better than like classical because that was like what you would learn in the orchestra mm-hmm. program at high schools, and I thought fiddle was just cooler. But you didn't feel like you. Un- I mean, at that age, you didn't feel like you understood like the racial motivations behind why someone <laughs> would be like, "Why is she playing country music?" No, I just knew that people. That would make fun of me playing fiddle music, listen to just maybe hip hop or whatever is on like 106 and Park and stuff. So. Mm-hmm. 106 and Park is that what is that the station there? It's just like a BT like TV channel, you know, and they usually do like a countdown of like music videos. No, I, I like lean with it, rock with it. Yeah, I, I've seen. I you know heard that. I, you know that song. Yeah, I do. So I just remember that song being very popular. So stuff like that, they would just listen to and then. I'm hanging out in their crew, and they're like, you're going to Fiddle Club? Yeah, like, why, why? I don't know if you should be with us. <laughs> but they always accepted me. They just thought it was, like, pretty funny. I mean, the violin is, is uh, it's much different than the stuff like, that, they were, that they were listening to, I imagine. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think they were listening to violinists all the time. Mm-mm. Where did that come from in you? Because it's like your parents weren't, violin players i know i don't know it's just when that when the group of fiddlers came i just convinced my mom to rent out one for me and the fiddlers really got you that badly it was like that convincing it was just cool it's a hard instrument isn't it yeah i heard that it's like one of the hardest to learn (laughs) (laughs) i've heard it i've been doing it my whole life but i've heard it's really hard but it doesn't seem hard for you yeah, I've been playing for a while now. Yeah. <laughs> at what age did you feel like you were getting skilled at, at the instrument? Um, Probably when I started playing in the church choir. And I developed, like, learning how to play by ear. Mm-hmm. So I felt like I was kind of, like, cultivating my own style somehow by was that in high learning school? that skill. Um, yeah, I think, like, middle school... High school-y area. My mom, like, convinced me to, like... You know how, like, in church, like, you know, they're really, like, um, supportive of, like, kids getting up there and, like, just picking up an instrument and, you know, playing. Um, My mom 
was like, you should just go play the violin up there. Because there was a pianist and like a bass player, saxophone, drummer, and then the, the choir. And she was just like, you need to go up there and just start playing. And I was like, what do you mean start playing? And she's like, whatever you hear, just like express it on the violin. And everyone else was like really supportive about it too. So I eventually got up there and started messing around and eventually it clicked and I was able to just like whenever there was a violin solo like they would pick out songs that have like violin solos and like I would just listen to it and it got to the point where I was able to like you know play that part Hmm. were you by ear oh because I didn't know how to read music that's what I was gonna ask you it's like what was the learning curve like or were you someone who had a natural ability that could just hear it and sort of mimic it in some way yeah I think playing in church developed that ability because I was very nervous to do things like that but once my mom convinced me to get up there and just go for it I started to listen to to the stuff on the radio like that people would listen to like my friends like hip-hop songs and (laughs) I would learn that part and then that kind of like gained like my popularity and stuff. <laughs> like oh yeah she can play lean with it rock with it she could play it like she, she could, played it on the violin yeah, or she could like play like uh, unpredictable by jamie fox oh, <laughs> yeah ladies i know you're tired of the same old thing things have become so mundane i mean your bedroom is just so cold it's so cold but i'm here to tell you i got a strategy we got to heat it up <laughs> come on Jamie Foxx? Yeah. I remember that unpredictable song. Remember when Jamie Foxx was like, he was cool? Yeah. Not anymore. Yeah. I don't know what happened. I love Jamie Foxx. I don't know what happened either. I was just trying to be cool and learn all those songs that they were listening to. Was that something you wanted in high school? Was to like, be liked? Yeah. It was. Is that a struggle? No, I'm not really concerned about it anymore, but <laughs> <laughs> so I don't really know what the struggle is like. But yeah, you know, when you're in high school, you want to be liked because that's what high school is kind of all about. You got to see those people all the time. Yeah. Joining these activities, maybe like in track, you have a crew of friends, they all like you, you know, being involved. That's what high school is about mm-hmm. and getting good grades. Yeah, We sound like high school counselors now. I know. Like, oh, you just got to get involved. You got to, like, Yeah, and then I guess that was a hard thing for me because I was always, I've been to, like, three different high schools. So mm. I was always moving around, and I felt like I didn't really have, like, a community of people. Would you go to your mom and say, like, hey, this is hard for me? Well, I was attending Mason High School first, and we had to move again to Lakota West High School and I was just like telling my mom she was just asking me like do you want to 
basically move to Westchester and drive to Mason, Ohio, because I know that you move around a lot, and I don't know if you want to go to a different high school again to finish your senior year. And I was just like, kind of wanted to stay at Mason, but eventually we just went to Lakota West. So yeah, I would talk to her about feeling like we always move around and it's hard to like make close friends, you know? Mm -hmm. And did your sister have a similar problem? Um, I think so. Yeah. Were you guys close? Yeah. We're super close. Oh, okay. Yeah. We would just hang out together too, but you know, we have, we were in different classes all the time, so we never really saw each other. Mm -hmm. But when we did see each other, we were like close. The music thing seemed like it was constantly progressing throughout high school. Like you were getting a little bit better. Yeah. More people were recognizing you for My making sisters it. sisters weren't like yelling at me when I was practicing. Was that a thing that was happening? Well, definitely at first. I remember practicing. And oh, because you were really bad. Yeah, I was really bad at first. Really bad. I remember my sister just saying, shut up. And my twin sister started the violin with me, but she didn't like it. She wanted to play cello, but it cost more to rent. So my mom was like, we can't do that. You got to just play the violin. And then she eventually just stopped playing because she never really wanted to anyway. Mm -hmm. And then he got good. And then they're like, oh, okay, we can listen to you playing in the house at mm -hmm. 10 at night. Yeah. <laughs> How did your parents respond to the music as you continue to spend more time doing it they're just always supportive of me playing violin and you know they were just really happy when i started like sounding good <laughs> yeah i imagine yeah in high school uh at the end of it you know like senior year that's the time where everyone's like okay i guess we got to figure out what we're doing with the next four years of our lives if we're going to college or we're going to work um what was your thought process like when you're 17, 18? I wanted to go to college, but um, my parents at the time suggested that I not go and just kind of work on music. Because I was in like this group with my twin sister and... My stepdad was like, You're speaking trying. so soft, you know. <laughs> I am. It's like you're walking on tiptoes or, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Well, yeah, that's what happened. But you wanted to go to school? Yeah, I really wanted to go to school. Where? Um, Probably, oh, what was that? This was where my big sister went. It was in Clifton. I can't even remember the school. Cin I don't know, Cincinnati State or something. I don't know. Mm -hmm. And you wanted to study music there? Yeah, I did. But things worked out differently. So you were in a group with your sister. I, what, what is this? Yeah, we were in a group, and we always made music together. Um, she was, like, really good at writing, and she rapped, and I played the violin and, like, kind of, like, made the songs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what was the group called? Um, it was called In Two. In two? Yeah. I thought it would be like the Park Sisters. I know, right? <laughs> no. In two? Yeah. What is that? I don't even know. I don't remember. Like why. it'd be it was I N. It was like two? the num the letter N and the number two. <laughs> oh, N N two. Mm -hmm. I thought it was like in, like like you're in two. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. 
So how was that? What what was that group like? It was. I feel like it was, um, you know, it was like the beginning phases of me of our music career. Like we were just trying to express ourselves, make songs, and kind of try to sound like what we are hearing on the radio and stuff like that. Oh, that was the thought. I mean, was that your first? Um, was that the first person you closely collaborated with? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is which takes some getting used to, I imagine. Yeah, it does. It does help that you guys are twins. Yeah, it does help too. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a good synergy thing there. Mm-hmm. But I um I always felt like, oh, I feel like we could like be doing something different because maybe the music production was always just like from someone else and I never was really feeling it like that. You guys had an outside person come in and help mix stuff? No, we would always just like somehow find some beats to just sing over, hmm. you know? And then you'd play violin over that? Yeah. And you weren't into it? No. <laughs> but I was into like, you know, making music with my sister and bonding with her and stuff like that. So, yeah. So she didn't go to college either? Mm-mm. But we're both in college now. What? <laughs> I didn't. Okay. Well, we'll get there. <laughs> um, why did your parents? I mean, I um, I imagine there were like financial reasons, right? In terms of going to college, was that the reason why they said, "Hey, maybe you guys stay here and do this thing that's already good"? Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't think it was like financial reasons why. I just think they really thought that our group could just take off and they just wanted us to just focus on making music, which is like really weird. Right. Cause you never hear a very un- unlike <coughs> parents. Yeah. Yeah. I know they're really supportive of our music career. So did you believe them? I did believe them. I did. And then there was a turning point, I imagine, right. Where, where you were like, yeah, this is not, this is not quite working. Mm-hmm. Cause, um, well, my stepdad, he w- he used to like be a music producer back in the day. Mm-hmm. Like he started LaFace Records with L.A. Reid. Oh wow! And, um, yeah. So I feel like he just had like tactics and a way to like make you know a music career for someone. But it tech, I don't really think I was resonating with that the way he wanted to do it you know and he would always just say that I could be like he would just compare me to artists that I don't really want to be like like who you know just like pop stars I can't even remember the names but for some reason I just I don't I didn't really see myself like performing in stadiums and stuff like that so I just didn't really understand the direction he was trying to take my music, so I would rebel a lot. And I was young, too, so. And your sister agreed with you, or what was her thinking? Well, she was very, I mean, she kind of, like, took it differently. She just thought, like, you know, he's just trying to help us. Like, why can't you just, like, listen, you know? Like, he probably knows what's best for us. Mm-hmm. But I just wanted to rebel. So you rebelled. <laughs> yeah. Where did the rebel lead you? To moving out of the house and kind of like getting kicked out kind of sometimes and then eventually just moving out of the house. You get kicked out and then they let you back in? Yeah. How does that work? 
Well, I had a curfew, and sometimes I wouldn't make curfew. And well, what was the curfew? Like 10 o'clock. Too early. <laughs> need, I know, Curfew right? needs to be 2 a.m. minimum. Minimum. No, I'm not a parent. I, I have no jurisdiction. <laughs> I have no idea. So you break curfew. They throw you out of the house. Eventually, you were like, okay, I, I don't want to be in Cincinnati yeah. anymore. Yeah. Where do you go? To um, L.A. You move across country. Mm-hmm. And how do you get there? Yeah, so I graduated high school early, not because I was like, you know, some 4.0 right. student, but since we switched around high school so much, I had like accumulated so many credits mm. where it was like, they were just kind of like looking at my... I think they were probably just confused. They're like, okay, <laughs> you have a twin sister. You both have taken all these classes. Yeah, you graduated. <laughs> Whatever. It's fine. Yeah. But I guess Mason High School was a little better than Lakota. So the credits kind of like overlapped a little. And they were like, oh, you don't even really need to be here. Oh. You could just like take these two classes and you could just graduate. So I was like, okay. And then I worked at McDonald's and... Um, a clothing store up the street from McDonald's and just kind of like saved up money to leave Cincinnati. How much did you have to save? Just like a couple grand, but... It's enough. Yeah. It was just enough for the plane ticket and like a little bit when I get, got here, you know? Mm. So you took a plane, you were by yourself? Uh, no, I wasn't. I was like in a um, relationship. Oh, okay. We moved out together. Was that it was like a plan to to <coughs> leave Cincinnati and live in LA together? Yeah. It's a boat. So that's 18, 19? 19, yeah. That's pretty bold. Yeah, it was my first plane ride too. Oh my god. <laughs> that's crazy. You go on the plane. You're leaving your parents. Your sister. They're pissed. They're angry. They're, yeah. Your sister's probably not pissed, but sad and disappointed. Yeah. Um, you're both excited and a little nervous, I imagine. Mm-hmm. What are you thinking about when you go on that plane and you're like looking out and seeing the sky and this is your first ride and you're with your partner at the time and that's a lot for a 19-year-old. I, I know, right? I felt like really confident. And I was just, like, ready to, for whatever happens, you know. just wanted something different. And I kind of wanted to do things on my own, make my own decisions, and even, like, struggle. I just wanted to live, like, a life. You knew that's what you wanted then? Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. It's <laughs> a good thing to know at 19. Yeah. Um, have you ever read Siddhartha, the book? Mm-hmm. I love that book. Um, well, in that book, um, he has like, I remember reading in that book, he was like, his dad or something didn't want him to leave the house, but he just wanted to like struggle. He had a pretty like decent life and stuff, but for some reason he just wanted to leave just so he can experience like hardship, you know? So I felt like that. <laughs> I felt like him at that time when he wanted to like leave his house leave to experience hardship mm-hmm. and so did you yes i did <laughs> i moved to uh south central at first how was that 
it was cool. I was crashing with someone, and I kind of wasn't really allowed in that house. You know? No, no, I don't. How would I know? <laughs> I've known you for thirty minutes. I know. How would you know, right? But um, yeah, I was crashing with a friend that said I could come stay with her, and but then your friend also knew that you were with um, your partner at the time, right? Mm-hmm. So was she okay with? You guys both staying there? Yeah, she was okay. She was okay with that. And um, we were never really there either. We are just, like, trying to find jobs and stuff like that. So it worked out. It was just, like, pretty hard. <laughs> You're right. And those early times, like, what jobs are you looking for? Just, like, service industry jobs. Anything to, like, make Only some money. Only experience in. <laughs> yeah, you had McDonald's and you had the clothing store. Mm-hmm, so... I was working at this like Italian boutique, clothing boutique, and got a shop, got another job at a coffee shop downtown. So yeah, two jobs. Mhm. Was that enough to live on? <coughs> mhm. How long until you guys uh, left that house? I don't even remember. I want to say it w- I don't want to say it was a year. I want to say it was just like a couple months or something. Hmm. Oh, that's that's not very long. Yeah. I mean, and so then you guys move uh, somewhere else in the city. Well, we broke up, and he did his thing, and I did mine, oh. and I eventually. Um, was that surprising? Was it surprising? Um. No. I only ask because it's like a big thing to move together from the Midwest to. I know, but I think it's just um, he. We were both really passionate about music, so regardless of our relationship, we were gonna be out here, you know. So, I think we were just both happy that we did that. So right, you guys got each other out here. Mhm. Did you feel disoriented? Yeah, what, a lot. Like when you not only moving out here, but also not having the person you came with. Mhm. How did you manage through that? Just music, um, listening to certain kind of music, <laughs> like Ali Farka. I really like him. Are you constantly making music as well? Ooh, I kind of took a break at first because, you know, like, after that relationship, it was kind of hard to make music because we were, like, both doing music. and You'd work on stuff together? Um, Yeah, sometimes, but it was just I needed a break from that for some reason, mm-hmm. you know? So the break from music was also in tandem with the break from the guy right and 
um let's see yeah i guess it was yeah that's what it was i'm just saying i, I don't know if that's true mm-hmm. you can you can tell me if i'm wrong no i feel like that's what it was i just needed a break from everything and so you worked a bunch you saved a little more uh at what point does wolf uh pb wolf approach you um is that the origin of it of what of like your coming into the stones throw family um yeah so that happened by meeting matthew david okay yeah right what age was that i think i was in highland park and so yeah after moving out of my friend's house i found like a my own spot in highland park with um a friend that I met off SoundCloud, <laughs> Cat 500. Shout out. <laughs> and she told me that there was a room opening up and, you know, I could stay there. And she let me crash on the floor until the other guy moved out of the room. Did she message you through the SoundCloud app? Like, yeah, like we were friends on SoundCloud before I moved out here. And she was like, yeah, when you come out here, visit me and... We would just message each other and like be like, I dig your stuff. I dig you. Do you want to come over to my house? Do you want to like jam? And I was like, yeah. And then it happened. Yeah, and it happened. Was When you guys first met, did you feel like, yeah, this is kind of weird. We met on SoundCloud. Or was it normal? Um, This whole, like, <laughs> the whole experience of moving out here was pretty weird. So I was like kind of expecting you know weird vibes wherever i went because i was just what was weird about it you got you glossed over these details what was so weird um well weird's a good thing you know it's not really like a bad thing to me i like weird and carrie is very is a very interesting person and she makes like her own neon so entering her house I, i saw all these like neon structures and she was like yeah i make my own neon i work at a neon shop and she uses like this crazy vintage drum kit to like make her own music you know it's like really 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 old and um yeah that was really interesting to me and she's really into science and like time travel Mm. (laughs) did you by virtue of you know being around her Start liking the things she liked? Yeah. Were you making neon? No, but I was always into neon. So weird. That that was just a coincidence. Mm-hmm. So you're with Carrie. You guys are making music. You're hanging out. You're living in Highland Park. Where does Matthew meet you? Yeah, so sometimes I would just go to like parties that I got invited to and ran into Matthew David and his wife and... They were just really interested in me, and they were like, you should send us some music sometime. And I was really shy at the time, and I was like, okay, but I never did. <laughs> well, you're but, 20. Yeah. And these people were like, hey, send us music. And you're like, I don't know. Yeah. You're not, <laughs> you're not like young people. Like, I mean, not young. They're not old. Yeah. But they're more adult-like, I guess, in nature. Yeah. And... um I was just making music on my iPad at the time, so I was kind of insecure about that, too. How did you do that? Huh? How did you make music on your iPad? Oh, there's a lot of apps these days, but um, 
GarageBand and Beatmaker 2 and tabletop apps. Oh, I meant so you could open GarageBand and then... Um, Record my voice just straight into the iPad and my violin and then just kind of like make some production on the iPad as well. <laughs> that was impressive. Wow. How did it sound? It sounded really weird. Um, it sounded as good as it's going to sound on the iPad. Sound, yeah. I definitely hit that peak, you know? It was just like, didn't really know anyone who did that. So when people would ask me to send them music, I was just very insecure. Right. Because I didn't know if they would understand it, like it, or... Did you try to explain that situation to people? Yeah, I did. And what did they say? They just kind of thought it was cool. Hmm. At one point, I had bought, like, an interface for the iPad, and you kind of, like, slide it into this interface, and then you can plug in a mic and plug in, like, an instrument. So that was pretty cool. I was kind of confident once I got that. Yeah. Because I was like, this is just, like, different. I got this. Totally. <laughs> and you can just plug it into anyone's mixer and kind of, like, collaborate. Were you, going ar- were you going around L.A. a bunch, like, trying to collaborate with people and make stuff? No. You You kept to yourself? Yeah. Definitely kept to myself and listened to a lot of like music mm. on my own. Worked a lot, a whole lot. So that was like the majority of my time that that was spent on just like working, walking, you know, because I didn't have a car. Mm. So I was taking the train. That's a lot of alone time. Yeah, my first like train. Yeah, there's there's no like trains and buses in where I was at so that was like different for me too like learning how to get around on the transit system is there a moment when you think to yourself like you're going to two jobs um you're trying to like make ends meet trying to maybe meet people and like sort of understand and live in LA in a way that you're happy with but is there a moment where you think I I don't know if this music thing is happening the way I want it to right I wasn't even like thinking about it like that um i applied to pasadena city college and i was just focused on getting my education and further education i was really into like ethnomusicology music technology my goal was just to finish that degree there and then go somewhere else for like music technology Mm. Mm -hmm. so you weren't thinking about music as a career no, I just want. I just loved music, but, but I never thought that I'd be signed to a label or anything like that. Well, and I wasn't like aiming for that at all. Mm. So when Matthew David was, you know, pushing me to send him music, I just didn't really want to, and I didn't know what he would think. But one day he emailed me and was like, "Hey, just like send me something you're working on." And I did have one song that I was pretty proud of, so I sent it to him, and he was pretty much blown away. <laughs> so. Do you remember sending that email and being like, I don't know. I'm yeah. I remember like just typing and then like deleting and typing and deleting. <laughs> yes. The type delete. <laughs> writing and rewriting the emails. But you sent it. Mm-hmm. And how quickly did he respond back? Pretty quickly. That must have felt good. It did feel good. And that's how I met Chris because somehow Chris got a hold of it and... 
like right now we were in you know Stone's Throw and they were just talking to me about releasing an album with their label so that was like really cool I was yeah. down yeah when all that was starting to happen for you were you like oh man like were you shocked that it was happening or did you think oh no I deserve this I was shocked and I did think I deserved it though both of those things mm -hmm. did it feel uh, like it affirmed your talent like you felt more confident in yourself yeah I mean I did feel more confident but I just felt like why not because I'm always making music every day anyway so it kind of just makes sense to mm. sign with them you know yeah no it sounds like a good a good deal and yeah. so when when officially did you guys sign your agreement and work together Mm, sometime last year. Mm. And under the expectation that like an album, mm -hmm. you're going to make some album for them. Mm -hmm. And that's coming out this year mm -hmm. at some point. Mm -hmm. The EP should be coming out this month though. Oh, okay. Yeah. How do you feel? Good. Yeah? Mm-hmm. In, in thinking about it, I mean, I imagine you were anxious to... to put this out there as mm -hmm. I mean it's a debut thing mm -hmm. how do you think you did I think I did good I just expressed myself and not really thinking about how it's gonna do or anything like that I just you know I'm glad that I got a couple songs to put out right <laughs> well the music video especially um that you really captured something there I mean, you guys took, you had, so you had the the first music video and then you guys did a second one, mm -hmm. right? And the one that I saw recently was the, uh, like, you're in, where are you again? Like Ghana. You're, you're in Ghana. So can we go into that? Because that sounds like an incredible journey. I know, right? Um, well, I always wanted to go to Africa. All right. And I've never been out the country so that was like my first out of the country experience. A big experience. I know. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, well, I volunteer for the Taiwo Fund, which is a nonprofit organization. Mm. And I thought it'd be a cool idea to teach like electronic music production at um the the school there that the nonprofit like, you know, funds right. and stuff. And um What did they say to that idea? They thought it was a good idea. Like, they're really open to, like, creative, you know, ideas because they want the school to be more artsy and mm -hmm. they want the children to be more open-minded. And so, yeah, I, like, planned that all out, that workshop idea, and uh, we started, like, a GoFundMe and tried to raise money to get, like, equipment. Thankfully, um, Pandora and... Ableton donated like a few um, drum machines and laptops. So kind of just went out there with that wow. and did our own little three-day workshop. It's pretty impressive. Yeah. So Stone's Throw kind of was, I think that around that time, like that's right when I signed and Chris thought it would be a good idea to send out a videographer to like, document the whole thing hmm. 
And then he was like, and you can shoot a video, a music video as well. What do you think about that? And I was like, yeah, that's that sounds really cool. <laughs> this was last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're 22. You set up this program. You're going to, I mean, not to not to overplay the things you've done, but it's it's pretty impressive that at that age, not at that age, that in like a year or even in a moment that you're, you're both like furthering your music career while also really educating and helping a, a community that probably does not have a lot of experience with your kind of music. Or don't maybe not even know how to use a laptop. Any, <laughs> any of that. Yeah. I mean, wh- what was happening in Ghana when you were with those kids? I mean, when you were teaching them, I imagine they were excited, but they were like, what, what the hell is this? Who are you? They were so excited. You know, and um, they just honestly wanted to learn something new, and they're very open to the idea. And they're all drummers, so I kind of try to like translate that. Like your left hand and your right hand when you drum is just like imagine that being the drumstick, mm. and just like you know, be on the drum machine. And I mean, they caught on pretty quickly. They all have great rhythm. Oh, it's like I crazy. Imagine. It's insane. So, did you cast some of them in your music video? I did. They were so excited to just see like people from America. So it was pretty awesome experience. <laughs> Everyone was really nice. Well, the video for context. Why don't you tell people what happens? Because like you're on a bike, and it's cutting, and you're like sing. Yeah, it's it's kind of an amazing work of editing Mm -hmm. but it also seemed like it required a lot of coordination in a way like you had to get a lot of extras and i had to yeah um i went out to ghana with a team and um the yusuf he kind of like is from there so he helped coordinate all of that and whenever he saw like people that might you know, be a good look for the video. He just got them together. Like, he got everything together, basically, for Eric Coleman, mm. and which was, like, the videographer. And they worked together, and they just made an awesome video. <laughs> I'm, like, super grateful. When they were filming it, did you know it was awesome? Or were you like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm on a bike. I was just, like, trying to be a good sport. It was hot. I was sweating, and I wasn't <laughs> even thinking about it. I was just, like, I feel like... Everyone's here to help me, so I'm going to do my best to, like, you know, get a good product out of this. Mm-hmm. I wasn't even thinking about that. I was just trying to, like... Were you trying your best not to be difficult at all? Yeah, I was trying, yeah, because <laughs> it was really hot. Yeah. And I'm in, like, this strange place. Like, I'm overwhelmed, but I just trusted in those people, and we made an awesome video out of it. Mm. I'm just really grateful to have that have had that opportunity. The Stones Throw folks seem like they really have um invested not only money in you but uh energy mm-hmm. and time and have like built a sort of surrogate family for you here. I think that's the thing about Stones Throw that's so interesting. Yeah. Do, I know. Do you feel like you have a foundation now in LA with them? Yeah, I do for sure. Even though most of my music is made in my bedroom, I think it's pretty <laughs> awesome that I can come here and mix it down and even, you know, invite artists to collaborate with me. Mm. It's like a more professional environment other than like my bedroom. <laughs> right. Your bedroom could be professional, but it's not as professional as this place. Yeah. 
yeah, it's very homey here. They have a nice it's little couch. Yeah. Uh, who have you collaborated with um, that you were like, holy shit, I can't believe we're in the same room making art right now? I haven't done that many collaborations, but I do have some that I'm trying to, you know, work on. Uh-huh. I was in the studio with Kareem Riggins. That was pretty cool. Yeah. And he's very, you know, into what I'm doing. And I think that's pretty awesome because he's amazing. Um, yeah. Who will get up out of this way? Um, do you have like a short list of artists that you're like, if they would say yes, I would love to do something with them. Like a dream list. Yeah, I do. Okay. <laughs> Let's hear it. Joe Kamara, which is like a one string. He's a one string fiddle player from um, Cameroon. You love the fiddle players. <laughs> and Asim Garashi, he's a Sudanese violinist. Um, but some other producers that I'm currently in the mix with making music is um, Sufyan Iali, who's a Sudanese electronic music producer. Um, Kareem Riggins. Uh, yeah, that's about it. You mentioned at one point uh, that when you first moved to L.A., you listened to a lot of music, but you said you don't listen to much now. Yeah, I mean, I was, I still listen to a lot of music, but maybe just not like, a lot of people haven't heard of the music that I listen to. It's usually just off of YouTube, and it's Sudanese and West African music. Hmm. Um, specifically like traditional folk blues, bluesy vibes. I mean, that seemed to be what you liked as a kid. I know. It's crazy because I think that's why I'm so into the music I listen to now because it was really just like the same thing, like the fiddle and the folk, the African folk, and it's all like in the same category. Mm. It's just different people playing it. It makes sense. Fiddle music got me, you know, interested in African music and stuff. Yeah. And then it went on from there. Yeah. When it comes to like you and the violin, there aren't that many people, especially on like a predominantly hip hop label. Mm-hmm. Um, but even in the mainstream, there aren't like a lot of violinists that yeah, people know. know about. But you also can sing. And you also produce your own stuff and you can write. What do you want for yourself in the next few years? I just want to express myself and travel the world. Mm. And I want, you know, I guess I want to be heard, which is happening. So, Have you felt like you haven't been heard for a long time? Um, No. I just think this is a great opportunity to be heard by more people. So it's like, you know, spreading the love mm. to more people. Is that the mission? Is, st- is that the mission <laughs> statement? Spreading the love? Yeah, pretty much. I guess music is just all about, for me, music is just all about everyone coming together and listening to different rhythms. And eventually that kind of like makes you accept others more. Yeah. If you're able to, listen to something that you haven't heard before and accept that while you're kind of doing your own rhythm, then that kind of creates this like acceptance of everyone. Where do you think your 
like warmness comes from. Because you strike me as someone who's like very positive and supportive and undeterred by, I mean, you talked about when you moved here and you talk about the book you decided it's like you wanted to come here to struggle. Yeah. You struggled. Mm -hmm. I imagine you still are going through that. Even though things are going well, there's still. Yeah. Constant struggle. Working woman blues. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I love Valerie Jim. (laughs) But the blues don't seem to be there that often for you. I mean, you do seem to have a good like head on your shoulders. I'm sure you've heard that before. Right. I mean, my mom is really strong, so I look up to her a lot. She's very positive. Um, She said she always wanted to be like a therapist, so that kind (laughs) of describes her vibe. But, I mean, I'm just a girl from Ohio, and I just used to go to church three times a week. So a lot of positive vibes happening there. I must have rubbed off on me. But um, I just think no matter what, if you have a certain mindset, you know, you can get out of any situation if it's bad or, you know, get in a better situation if you want to be in one. That's just like a way of life for me. And yeah, it's been working and it's healthy. You know, I'm really into like being healthy, eating right, drink a lot of water. So I'm glad it's working. Yeah, it is. Uh, Sudan, Brittany. <laughs> no, we'll go with Sudan. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me here. Special thanks one last time to the people at Stone's Throw for helping make this series happen. I know it was a true honor for everyone who works on this show to make something with them. And uh, we could not have done it without the help of Angela, Jake, and many more. You can find a lot of Sudan's music mostly on SoundCloud right now. We'll include a link to her page in the show notes. Her next live show will be on June 29th in Glendale, where she'll be performing alongside past Talk Easy guest and Stone's thrower, Mind Design. Tickets are still available for that event. And finally, a warm thanks to Sudan for coming on the program and being part four of our series. your first time listening to talk easy because uh we've done the stones throw series and you've been interested in what we've been doing uh we've done other episodes with musicians who are not on stones throw including uh talks with esperanza spaulding mac demarco reggie watts we even did one with mind design who is on stones throw in case you have not heard that you can find all those and more on our website at www.talkeasypod.com they're also on soundcloud iTunes, or wherever else you listen to your podcast. Speaking of, we'll be making an announcement on uh, social media later this week about the future of the show. Um, I promise it is not as ominous as that sounds. Um, A good thing is happening. We're making some changes, and we're very excited about this lineup we have for the summer, so uh, do stay tuned for that. Our music this week is by Ginseng in Manila. Our executive producer is David Chen. Graphics by Ian Jones. Illustrations by Krishna Shenoy. 
Our associate producer is Valerie Ettenhofer, and the show is produced by Nora Knight. I'm Sam Fragoso. Thank you for listening to Talk Easy. I'll see you soon. The tradition of breaking tradition continues with the return of the unconventional awards from T-Mobile for Business at Mobile World Congress. This is an event that celebrates innovators whose bold actions took their industries to new places. If that sounds like you and you're a T-Mobile for Business customer, enter today. If you win, you'll be publicly honored among some of the most influential leaders in industry. And me, I'll be there too. Enter now at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.